0: How's everyone doing? Um, Just thank you for that truth. Why don't we just pray real quick? Lord, we thank you for the truth of that song. That when we, um, Jesus, who you are, what you've accomplished, what you've done. uh, Lord, we think we can sing about it with such confidence, with such truth. And Lord, it doesn't matter how many times we sing about those promises, about that goodness. uh, Lord, it never gets old, never gets tired. It's so good, such good news to us, Lord. So we just thank you, Jesus. There it is. Um, Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Yeah. Um, Trust that you're well. Uh, We're in to the book of James uh, once again this morning. We've actually got, including this morning, we've got three talks left in this series. Um, Look, I was preparing for this morning. I just, I really felt, that I wanted to encourage you to do something. Uh, you, uh, we, we together has been, gone through quite a lot of as a church through this book. We've talked through it bit by bit. And I want to encourage you this week, grab half an hour. I know it can be hard for some people to even find that in the day sometimes. But, you know, we have lots of time for our cell phones. So, sorry, I'm in Canadian land there. Mobile phones. And we have lots of time uh, for TV series, binge-watching stuff sometimes. So, But just grab half an hour this week, whether it's early in the morning, late at night, whatever it is, grab a cup of tea, sit down, and just take some time just to read back through this letter. Like, there's so much that God's been speaking to us through it as a church, and I want to encourage you just to take some time and just recap, because if you're anything like me... You can feel God say something to you about a passage through some words and then next thing you know it's Monday morning and you've forgotten what was said. So I want to encourage you just to to read it through slowly and digest it and meditate on it and just allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of what he's been teaching you uh, through this time. The other thing I want to say is, um, okay, kids in the room, if you would normally be in Sunday school right now, can you just give me a big wave? If you would normally be in Sunday school, yeah, hello. Yeah, give me a big wave. I want to say something to all you little absolute adorable kids out there. You have done so well these last few weeks, haven't they? They've done amazing. Yeah, like you have sat there, you've listened, you've let mummy and daddy listen to the talk. Like, thank you so much for being such good kids. Church is so proud of you. I know it's not easy. I know you'd rather be playing games and running around and making mess. Um, And we're hoping to do that real soon. Um, But right now, this is kind of what we have. But I would just thank you so much to all you little ones out there. Thank you. But okay, we're going to go into James 3, 13 to 18, but I'm going to pray again real quick. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity together as your body, as your bride, to open up your word. Lord, would you give us hearts that are open and vulnerable before you this morning? Um, Lord, it's a constant choice to be open to allowing your Holy Spirit to move in us, to work in us, and to speak to us, and to correct us in the loving way that you do. And Lord, I know that there's challenge in this passage this morning. So Lord, I pray that you would come and speak your words um, to each and every person in this room this morning. Uh, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay, so James three thirteen to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life and by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So this is a bit of a shorter passage than we've been going through. Um, But there's tons packed into this that we're going to pull out this morning. And like I said, I really do think there's going to be some real challenge for each and every one of us this morning. But I want to start with a question. I want to start by asking you this morning... What did you want to be when you grew up? Like, can you think back? I know for some of you it was a long time ago, but can you think back to, like, what you used to dream that you were going to be when you were older? Anybody? Shout, shout something out to me. Don't shout too loud. We'll get in trouble. Anyone? All right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you some. My friend Kev used to tell his parents that when he grew up, he was going to be a fire engine. Um... Me myself, I was convinced that went through the normal ones. I was going to be an astronaut, it'd be great to go to the moon. I thought. Um, then there was a period in my life where I thought it'd be really cool to like, watch t- uh, tigers and lions and study them, big, big cats of prey. I thought they were really cool for a period of time. Then, then I, I thought, well, the natural progression for me is to be a breakdancer. I thought i 've got the moves, still do. Um, But that was quickly replaced by, actually, I'm probably going to be a professional footballer because I was so good. Um, And let me tell you, I haven't given up on that dream, actually. So when I get the call, I'll let you know. Um, I had a chat with AC this week, Uh, my younger brother, who works in the food bank, and he told me he wanted to be a geography teacher. Very specific. Um, uh, Caroline was going to be a nun. Um, She did actually end up working for the church, so she's close. Um, But we all have things that we want to be when we're older, don't we? We all have things that we think would be great to be. Um, But I guarantee that no one grew up as a a child or even as a teenager saying, when I grow up, I want to be wise. Like, not because that's not a good thing to be, but just, well, what is it, right? Like, what is it to be wise? In Scripture, though, we find, this, we find this story of a king uh, of Israel called Solomon. Solomon is the son of King David. Uh, David, his, his father, has died, and the crown has been passed to him. And now Solomon has the huge task of leading God's people. And there's this moment uh, in Scripture that is just incredible. We're going to read it, 2 Chronicles, starting in verse 7. It says, That night God appeared to Solomon... And said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, God, you've shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me, this is what he asked for, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people who is able to govern this great people of yours. Imagine this, like the maker of the universe, the one who put the stars in their place, the one who made the heavens and the earth. He comes to you and he says, he's in conversation with you, first of all, that blows your mind. But he says, hey, like, I want to bless you. What would you like, right? Like, like you know, we can all pull out our dreams at that point. Like, what do you want to be when you're older? Solomon responds, Like, what a job you've given me. I've got this people to lead, and I want to do it, God, in a way that honors you. I want to live my life in a way that honors you. I want to lead your people in a way that honors you. Would you give me the wisdom and the knowledge to do that well? Like, can we just stop and say, like, what a thing to ask for. What a thing to ask for. Like, this job is so difficult, so vast, so big, and yet I, need, I just know I'm so dependent on you to give me what I need to do it. There's this old woodman's proverb that says, you can only get a true measurement of a tree when it's on the floor. Like, So you can only measure a tree properly, check how good the lumber is once it's been chopped down and once it's been felled and once it's on the ground. And I think this is pretty true of people's lives, actually. And I think it's true of Solomon. Because when he died, actually, we got a true measure of what he accomplished in his life his reign over, during his reign over Israel, he thrived as an author, diplomat, a poet, a politician, an architect, an engineer. At the peak of his reign, he was literally unparalleled by anybody else from all of the rulers in the other countries surrounding. For miles around, people would come to hear his wisdom. And he was able to do this because of the gift that God had given him. He'd given him this supernatural wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit to transform him into the wise king that he became. And by the time he, was, he died, he was known for, for miles and miles around for his, for his incredible wisdom. There was no doubt that on that night when Solomon made that request of God that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God had, had given him a, a heavenly wisdom, a perspective. He'd given him the wisdom that he'd asked for. And how many people in this room this morning just feel like that on a day-to-day basis. Like Solomon felt in that moment, like life itself is actually incredibly difficult. Like, like just think about all the things that just pile up in your life, to be a good husband or to be a good wife, to be a good son to, you, to your parents, to be a good parent to your kids, to be good in relationships, to be good at your job. Like just the stuff of life that hits you in the face, like wave after wave after wave after wave. Like that person's upset with you. That person's disappointed with your performance. Like even just kids going to school, like it's difficult just to fit in, just to, just to work out where you fit in life, to, to do well in exams, to think about the future and what you want to be when you're older. Like life can be really hard. How to spend your money, where to go to school, all these things that just come up in life. And you think, Lord, how do I do life in a way that honors you? Like, how do I live my life in a way that exalts you in, in, my, in my own heart? It's not easy, is it? Anybody find life easy? No, no, anybody? Not me, definitely. James says at the beginning of his book, James 1.5, he says, anyone, if anyone lacks wisdom, what should you do? You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Like it's a promise, like, you'll receive it, just ask for it if you want godly wisdom, if you want heavenly wisdom, like Solomon, ask for it. God wants to give it to you. And in this section, remembering who James is, right? Like he pulls no punches. He's constantly challenging us. Like, hey, like if, if you're a Jesus follower, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, then don't just say it, but show it in how you live, how you act, how you react to situations. Like, live out your faith by loving God and loving those around you. Don't just say it, go and do it, right? You everybody remember that? So with that in mind, James shows us a picture, two pictures, contrasting pictures, of what it looks like to be wise, what it looks like when you're living under those characteristics, what it is when you've received heavenly wisdom. And on the other side, what it looks like when you haven't, when you're not living in that, when you're living from your own wisdom, from earthly wisdom. So wisdom that we're talking about here. So we're going to look at two pictures, as you would imagine. First is the unwise. We're going to look at what it is to be unwise. He points out straight away two issues that are based in the heart, in the human heart. So when you live an unwise life, there's two things that are going on in your heart, he's saying. The first is is jealousy. The second one is selfishness. And he says, when these things reside in your heart, undoubtedly you're going to show an unwise character. You're going to be unwise in this life and we're going to see certain types of he says disorder in that person's life and all different types of evil that come through. So the first thing is jealousy. What jealousy is he talking about here? the things that he's referring to. You know, a jealous person, they can literally have in their hands everything they ever wished for. This person can have a good husband or a good wife. They can have a lovely house. They can have loving parents. They can have money in the bank. They can have incredible children. They could have a great job, great car, have the latest phone. You know, they could literally have everything in their hands, everything. And yet the moment anybody around them has any sort of success in their life, they see it as a threat to them. Like they they become jealous. They become jealous and envious of that person. It might be that person's getting praise for a good job that they've done. And this person is just simply jealous of what they're seeing. A jealous person can have everything they've ever wished for, but yet still find it difficult to allow others to have any sort of success. And the truth is when we're jealous, that's the first vice that's in the heart. But it's usually accompanied by this selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Someone who's unwise carries this hunger to push themselves to through a top of a pile. It's putting aside God's call on my life, putting aside what God's asking of me, putting aside what my wife needs me to do or what my husband needs me to do, putting aside what my children need from me or what work needs from me or the other people around me who really need help need because I have an ambition. I have something I want to accomplish. I need to prove myself. Because either it's jealousy of what someone else has, and I need to get the same, or whether it's just simply because you're pursuing your own needs, your own wants, your own plan. And those are the two things that James says, they reside in the heart of someone who's unwise. And out of those things, we see these other things that come out of that, just birthed out of that. So, so we see arrogance, dishonesty, A worldly point of view, unspiritual and and demonic things come out of that. It brings disorder and every type of evil, he says. like These are the characteristics that you're just seeing people. And in the wake of someone who is unwise, what we see behind them, just left behind them, is chaos, confusion, disharmony, antagonism, and pettiness. I just want you to stop and think for a second. Are you petty? Like, just think about this for a second, because I'm talking to myself. Like, someone, someone cuts you off in, like, in your way to work. Someone pulls out, and you think, oh. so you think, you know what, I'm just going to ride their bumper for the, the next five minutes just to show them that I'm annoyed with them. Are you petty? Do you antagonize people? Do you wind people up on purpose to get your own back? create disharmony in the workplace or even just in the home? Do you deliberately punch your sister in the arm just to annoy her? Or do you, you know, do you create confusion in the way that you talk to people? One minute you're lovely with them, the next minute you're not so lovely. When, when we live in our own wisdom, when we're not trusting God, when we're not asking for him to come and guide us and to lead us in our life, to give us his perspective, we see these things behind us. Chaos, confusion, disharmony, antagonism, and pettiness. The description that James gives us here is is wisdom from below. It just comes out of us naturally. We're just sinful people. we just do things that aren't very nice. But then he gives us this stark contrast he says, "Okay, that's what it looks like when you're not following God's guidance, when you've not got His perspective, when you've not living in His wisdom." But the stark contrast of that is wisdom from above. You know, I ask people what you want to be when when you grew up. Like, what would you want to be? Well, James's desire, without any shadow of a doubt, is for you to be mature, wise followers of Jesus. That's what he desires for you. So let's look at the characteristics that he lists for someone who's wise. This is what it looks like: you are peace-loving considerate. You're submissive. Let me just say something about submissive. Submit isn't a word we like, is it, uh, in today's day and age, you know. But submit is just, it's like, it's have all of this power. Like, you know, you put a bit in in the the horse's mouth and to guide them. It's still so powerful, but it's just following a leading of one who who knows where they're going. Does that make sense? Merciful, good fruit. We're going to go through some of these a little bit impartial and sincere. It brings peace and righteousness into people's lives. So let's just run through them a little bit. James, so first of all, James so lovingly describes this wisdom and what it looks like. It's, uh, but it starts with purity. It's pure. You become pure in your motives. You're no longer out to serve yourself. You're out to serve those around you. You become pure in why you do things, why you help people. Your your inward heart and your outward actions, they become pure. The next is to be peaceable. Remember, this is in contrast to the other one. So bitter jealousy, we're talking about the unwise. It's this natural tendency to be argumentative, to be quarrelsome, belligerent, quick-tempered. But the wisdom that James is talking about is this supernatural peace. And I want you to think seriously and be honest for a second you quarrelsome? Are you, you know, argumentative just for the sake of it? Quick-tempered with your children? We're called to be peaceable people, to bring a supernatural peace that is given by the Holy Spirit. And a wise person is gentle. You know, in a world where people's rights are violated, like they lash out, like So did you hear this story about um, they've had to bring a law in in the US because a guy was walking down the street one day, he has a heart attack, he literally drops dead on the floor, and somebody sees him in the street, starts performing uh, CPR, that's right, the words, isn't it? Starts performing CPR on him. Literally, this guy's dead on the floor, performs CPR, saves the guy's life, Right The guy comes through it, he's okay because of this person's action, you know, pumping the chest, breathing in the mouth, and saves this guy's life. The guy comes through and he's got a broken rib, so he sues the person who performs CPR on him like we live in a crazy, crazy world where people's rights are violated, they lash out with lawsuits over the most insignificant offenses, sometimes just ridiculous and 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 that's unwise to be petty, contentious, selfish, and bitter. But God's wisdom, with God's wisdom, we come at these things from a different point of view. We come with gentleness. Matthew 5, 39 to 40, Jesus teaches this. He says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand them your coat as well. We want to be gentle people loving, kind, accepting. We need to be different from the world around us. Next is to be reasonable. Are you a reasonable person? Are you, to be reasonable is to be persuadable by other godly people. So here's, here's a scenario to play out with you and you tell me if this rings any bells with you. So okay, you have a friend and you love your friend dearly. Like they're, they're a, they go to church like you do. They're a Jesus follower. You think, right, well, I really care for this person. But you know what? I've just noticed that they're, they're like on their phone a lot. Like they're always on the phone. People are having conversations with them. They're sat on their phone. They're always on social media. I'm worried they're a little bit addicted to it. So, you know, in love, you weigh it up, you pray about it. And you think, I'm going to approach the person because I love them so much. I don't want to see them fall into that trap of just being trapped In this addiction of being on the phone and, you know, trying to find likes online or whatever. So you approach them, right? This can play out one or two ways, I generally find. One is you walk up to that person and you say, Hey, how are you doing? I just, just, you know, I just noticed this. I really love you, really care for you. But I've just noticed that you seem to be on your phone quite a lot. Like, and I'm just worried that it's taking you away from conversation. You seem a little bit addicted to it, to be honest. Now, when you shine the spotlight on somebody like that, when it's shone on you, there's two ways to react. One is, you can do this. You can say, well, what about you? I've seen you on your phone loads of times. What about that time I was talking to you and you, you responded to that text? Or, or they go, well, what about, what, you know, what about Gary? You haven't talked to Gary about his phone use. He's always on his phone. Have you noticed that? Anybody ever had that response from somebody? And you shine the light on somebody and they, they anywhere else, they want to move it anywhere else. They want to shine it back at you. They want to shine it on that person. They just refuse to like, accept or to have the light on them for any moment of time. The second response, the second response, to be persuadable, reasonable people. We understand that sometimes people will come and bring things to us because they care about us. Sometimes they'll bring it to you just because they don't like you. <laughs> But actually, a wise response is to always take it. Even if, you dis- even if you know fundamentally what they're saying is just not right, you say, thank you. Thank you for letting me know. And you take it away and you weigh it up. You allow other people who you know to speak into it. Hey, someone came to me today and said, I'm on my phone too much. They're worried I'm addicted. Is this true? Now, that people around you might say, actually, I've noticed that too. You are on it a lot. Or they might say, that's nonsense. I don't think you're on it at all, right? You might wait up for one minute. You might wait up for one month. But the idea is, is that we're wise people. We're open to other people in love. That's the important thing here. In love. It's not a free-for-all. In love, people bringing things to us. And actually, wisdom is, means that we're persuadable by other godly people. And the next is to be merciful looking at those around you with compassion and love, like we all know about that, right? Anybody who's received the grace of Jesus, we know what it is to receive mercy, to receive something that we don't deserve, even though we don't deserve is love and acceptance. We've received it. We're called to do the same. I don't need to talk too much about that. The next one is to be unwavering to our commitment, to be unwavering people, Committed people. And that's not just to Jesus and the gospel. Those are, those are the most important things to be committed to. But that means to be unwavering in our commitment to our spouse, the covenant that we made before God and before others that we were going to remain faithful. It means to be unwavering right from the big commitments that we make in life right down to the little commitments like, hey, I can do the coffee next week at church. I'll be on the road to, don't worry about it. And then, not to like that week go, oh, why did I agree to that? I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to say I'm ill or like get someone else to do it. But we want to be a people who are unwavering in our commitment to one another and to those around us. And the last one is to be sincere and real with people. Um, for a couple of years, I was, I was a youth worker working with Youth for Christ. And the number one rule they always gave us is just be yourself, don't pretend to be anything you're not. Because youth like literally like, spot it straight away and it just turns them off you. Like They don't want to really talk to you. Just be yourself. And in the same way, biblical wisdom, we're supposed to have um, this exact approach that we don't wear different masks depending on the people that we're speaking to or where we are, where we're hanging out, whether we're at work or whether we're at church, that we're sincere, whether we're having a good day or a bad day. We don't wear different masks. We want to be sincere in following Jesus in everything. So in contrast, James paints this picture where with the unwise, we see this portrait um, of destruction, of evil, of all different types of things, of disharmony. Here, what we see actually is the complete difference. We see harmony and peace with people who are living through wisdom of God. And I want to start, finish, by asking you a question. Is your life characterized by the wise person in this picture or the unwise person? Now, is your life characterized by gentleness, humility, Do people know you as a person of mercy, authenticity? Do you act in the same way at home that you do at church, you do with your friends when you're out? Or do you give people different masks depending on your setting? Do you leave joy and harmony in your wake or something very different? Is your life motivated by personal pursuits? Do you have jealousy towards those people around you? You might just be bitter that your life didn't work out the way that you hoped it would. And you've just started to realize, actually, yeah, like, I do hold things against people. I do hold other people's successes against them. I want to do something real quick. I want us just to close our eyes and I want to ask the Holy Spirit just to come and help. Just to help us answer this question. Now try to avoid answering this the way that you, the way that you wish things were and try to answer it with the way that things really are. And I want you to picture Yourself, like almost like a portrait, you've been given a paintbrush and you've been asked to paint a picture of yourself. What do you see? What would your wife paint of you? What would your husband paint of you? What would your parents paint of you? Would it be pettiness? Argumentative? Jealous, constantly striving to achieve your own goals? Or would it be someone who brings peace, mercy? Would it be someone living out worldly wisdom or heavenly wisdom? Now, as you start to paint that picture, as you start to see yourself, the Holy Spirit helps you paint that picture. I want you to say, Holy Spirit, will you help me identify the areas in my life? Because the truth is, I think everyone, at some point of the day, is living out their own wisdom, not trusting God. Lord, would you identify right now characteristics in our life where we're not living in heavenly wisdom? Help us identify them. Lord, I thank you for the promise that we just need to ask for wisdom and you will give it. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the one who comes and transforms us. Do you need to mend a particular relationship? Someone you need to say sorry to. Somebody that you need to forgive. Do it. Do you need to give up certain selfish pursuit, a job, a career, a hobby, something that you do, you know doesn't glorify Him, is all about you and your wants, your needs? Stop it. you instead need to pick up a spiritual practice exercise like prayer or like worship or like reading the word get started now god's never finished with you it's never too late lord i just pray as we as we're in this place of reflection Would we hand you the paintbrush? Say, Lord, I don't want to paint a picture of what I want to look like. I want you to paint the picture. I want you to lovingly put the colors in place. I want you to paint my character. Lord, this life is hard, it's difficult at times, and I can't do it on my own. And Lord, I want you to paint a picture of me that glorifies you. And as he paints that picture, that portrait of you, just stroke by stroke of that paintbrush, he's just transforming you into who you were always meant to be. Thank you, Jesus.